Good morning. Wow, what a week. What a, a couple of weeks, actually, it's been. How many of you remember and how many of you stepped in, raised your hand, whatever it was, for the message that Charlie had about everything that can be shaken will be shaken? Yeah. I know I did. And so my question is, has he been shaking anything? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me too. I'll, I'll share my testimony in a little bit, but I think I should do my jokes first. <clears throat> They're really stupid. <laughs> so why are there Pop-Tarts but no Mom-Tarts? Because of the pastryarchy. <laughs> so a priest, a rabbit, and a pastor go into a bar. They belly up to the bar, and the bartender looks at the rabbit and says, what are you doing in here? And the rabbit says, autocorrect. <laughs> rabbit, rabbi, yeah, okay. Um, let me see, dad joke of the day. What is the difference between a well-dressed man on a bicycle and a well-dressed man on a unicycle? A tire. Okay, last one, uh, and, and wives, listen to this one. Yesterday, my husband thought he saw a cockroach in the kitchen. He sprayed everything down and cleaned it thoroughly. Today, I'm going to put the cockroach in the bathroom. <laughs> okay. Now, this doesn't really necessarily play into my message, but I thought I would read it anyway. How many of you are, know who Nate Johnson is? He's a prophetic guy. And he had a word that he put out on March 1st. He said, we are in the birthing of a movement boom. That which is manufactured and created in hustle and man's strength and ambition is growing tired. But that which was birthed in a secret place and in the waiting is suddenly bursting forth involuntarily. You can't decide to start a movement. Um, they choose you, and normally those who stumble upon them haven't even tried to begin them. It's a Holy Ghost ambush on a people whose hearts are tried by fire and purified of chasing yesterday's revival. The ministry pyramid scheme, the endless conference circuit, or the self-help Christian bandwagon. Movements from heaven are falling into the laps of the least expected and those who are the quote-unquote professionals would deem choosing, uh, would deem unqualified, rebellious, dangerous, or foolish. You need me to read that again? Okay. Movements from heaven are falling in the laps of the least expected and those who the professionals would deem unqualified, rebellious, dangerous, or foolish. Does that make more sense? Yeah, second time. They don't come with a parade but the presence. And instead of fanfare, they are emerging in humility and an undeniable power and glory that is resetting the bar for the church. These movements are exposing the apathy we've settled for and the old manna we keep pulling out of the freezer every Sunday. They are rising up to lead the church into the fresh move and get her moving again. Isn't that good? 
I don't want to be, I don't want my hopes and my dreams based on yesterday's experiences. And if I'm, if I am unwilling to let go of the old ways in my understanding that God's moved in my life, the things that he's said in the past, um, my old experiences of conferences, if I don't let those go, if I don't lay them down, there won't be any room for me to experience anything new. And there won't be a way for me to step into God using me in a new way either. So I just wanted to leave that with you this morning. So going back to the, the word that Charlie shared, Hebrews 12, 27, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And those of you who did raise your hand and said, yes, Lord, anything that's standing in the way of who you want to be in me, anything that's standing in the way of you using me, anything that's standing in the way of my understanding this is the only way God can do stuff, I want to lay those down. I want you to expose them with your shaking in my life so that you can come and do something new. And so I was one of those that said yes. Um, it's funny that you said God is faithful because that is something that he's been speaking to me about is that he's faithful. So the things that we've been going through that have been hard and the shaking that goes on in our lives. I think probably everybody in here, you don't, um, I don't know how to say this. I don't know that all of you thought you were going to be in the circumstances that you're in now. No. But he's faithful. Yeah, he is so faithful to finish the work that he started in each one of us and in our lives. He's faithful. He's dependable. We can rely on him. He's our ever-present comfort. He's our ever-present strength. And those are the things that I think he's, he's shaking off the things that don't allow us to believe those things. So um, I want to go to Acts 16.16. 16. And this is about Paul and Silas being in jail. I'll go ahead and read it, but if you want to turn there, it's, uh, again, it's Acts 16, 16. Hi, Carol and David. Morning. And you, you're front and center in this message, by the way. <laughs> now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. I just want to focus on that just for a second. Deliverance doesn't always happen like that. It took an hour, just, just saying. Okay, and he came out that very hour. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, and they dragged them to the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men being Jews exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs that are not lawful for us being Romans 
to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. They found themselves in unexpected circumstances. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing that the prisoners had fled, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, and he ran in, and he fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas, and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Uh, first thing I want to point out is, that I already mentioned, they found themselves in an uncomfortable circumstance. The second thing that I want to point out is that when they were in that uncomfortable circumstance, they chose to worship God. And then third, when they were in that uncomfortable circumstance, they chose to worship God, God showed up, and they stayed when they could have run. So I found myself in an uncomfortable circumstance. It didn't look nearly as holy as Paul and Silas's. I can laugh about it now, but it was very grievous to me when the Lord began to reveal things to me about it. Uh, how many of you remember that snowstorm we had? Yeah. So on Wednesday, the day the snow showed up, my last ride ended up in North Portland as I was driving for Lyft and Uber. And uh, it was snowing pretty hard. Um, it wasn't the snow as much as it was everybody stopped traffic-wise, so you couldn't go anywhere. So first I'm stuck on interstate, and I'm like freaking out because I know I've got to get over to the other side of I-5. I've got to get on the other side of I-5. If I could just get on the other side of I-5, I'll be able to make it home. So I finally, um, when Charlie was, I was talking to Charlie, and he and Josh were freaked out too, and so Charlie, um, I called him and I said, honey, would you please pray so I could get off of interstate? And so he and I think Josh was praying too. And all of a sudden, uh, opening came, and I was able to turn around, go north on interstate, and then I found a way to get across I-5. Yay, I'm on my way home, right? Yeah. Okay. So I make a very, very slow and a little bit scary journey all the way up to 82nd. And we're all stopped. Nobody's moving, yeah, nobody's moving on 82nd. And, um, and I'm just, I'm stressed out. I just want to go home. I am determined I'm going to get home. So I keep um, trying to find a way to snarl through the neighborhoods to find some street that will take me now over 84. And uh, 82nd Avenue is just, it's not even stop and go traffic. We're all stopped. Nobody's moving. Um, 
This is probably four hours into it for me trying to get home. And at that point, I'm sorry, it's not, it's, can you hear me okay? Okay. Um, at that point, this verse of Paul and Silas came into my mind, and I thought, okay, I just have to worship God, so let me start worshiping God. And it was paltry. <laughs> it, was, it was not full of faith, but I knew that God wanted me to get home because I wanted to get home. And uh, um, so, I, so I started to worship God, and traffic started to move. We went a whole block. <laughs> there were times where I had been able to get into the neighborhood, if anybody is real familiar with that area, just east of 82nd, but everybody had the same idea. At one point, I thought I was turning into another street, so maybe I can make my way down to Sandy, and I ended up stuck in a, a big pile of snow. So then uh, there was somebody that lived in that house. Charlie said, Lori, go knock on the door. Go and ask them. I get up to the door of the house that I'm stuck in front of, and there's a sign that says, do not knock. <laughs> but I went ahead and obeyed my husband, knock, knock, knock. She sent out her husband, and he dug out my tire, and then another gentleman came down, and he helped push my car out, so I got back on the street. It headed back the other direction on 92nd, and then I really got stuck. And so this really nice lady behind me, she's trying to do the same thing, get home. She says, um, do you want to borrow my tire socks? I'd never heard of tire socks. I said, sure. <laughs> so she came and she got down in the snow. She put her tire socks on my car. And so I was able to get back around and get all the way back to 82nd, and then there I stayed. So finally, I decided I've got to park my car. Charlie's telling me, park your car. And it's hard because you've got traffic here, traffic there. So how are you going to get out of the lane of traffic that you're in to go find some place where you can park your car? I finally was able to maneuver my way out, and I parked in the skate park over there by the high school and left my car and ran to Carol's house. And ran and walked and ran and walked, and I was pretty wet by the time I got there. She opened the door, and they, they were so gracious to me. She gave me dry clothes. They gave me dinner to eat. They gave me a place to stay. I refused it, <laughs> said I want to sleep on the couch. I'm still grouchy. I want to go home. <laughs> and my friend was so hospitable. So I slept downstairs on their bed, and the next morning, we're sitting on the couch, and all I can think of is I want to get home, and so I ordered a lift while my friend wanted to have breakfast with her friend. And I said, no. I rejected her invitation because I wanted to get home. So it took me a while to try to figure out, God, what was all that about? Juxtaposed against the way that my Wednesday night went to Paul and Silas in the jail. You know, I was definitely in a place I didn't want to be. I found myself in circumstances that I never thought I would be in and I was trying to just get home. I had no clue what God's perspective of that whole thing was. And it totally grieved me 
when he began to reveal to me um, the fact that, number one, I could have been there for my friend. What if that whole snowstorm was designed just so that Carol and I could have some time together? I, I don't think that's really why it happened. But what if God had an amazing Holy Spirit-empowered encounter for me and somebody else in the middle of that crisis? When you think of uh, major things like Turkey and the um, earthquakes that they've had, and believers would rush to the cities to try to dig people out from underneath the buildings that fell. And I didn't have a space for God to use me to maybe be a blessing to somebody else in the crisis that we were all in on that, on that day and night. I, I couldn't be there for my friends. So, so God was exposing some pretty uncomfortable things to me. He was allowing me to be shaken because I said yes. Now, I can uh, take this cat of nine tails, you know. I could just live there for a while and uh, do some self-flagellation. Lori, you're such a worm. You're such a wretch. But I wanted, I wanted the Lord to be able to use it and to use me, and I wanted to be submitted to his work in my life. Um, and so I'm bringing this to you so that maybe... He can do some work in your life, too. The number one thing that, that stood out to me was that I really did not have God's perspective at all. Um, there is in Hebrews where it says, I will write my covenant, this new covenant, I will write it on their hearts and on their minds. That's another thing that Charlie shared. It's also in Jeremiah 31. He wants us to have his perspective in our minds, and in our hearts. And a lot of times we know what the Bible says, so we know things in our mind, but sometimes it takes that 12-inch journey to really impress it on our hearts. And so I could say that. I could say I knew that um, for, for me as a witness for Jesus, I know what I'm supposed to do, but when it was right there in the middle of that crisis, I didn't have any room to have his perspective. Does that make sense? Uh, originally, I told, um, in fact, last Sunday, I think we were having a meeting with the core team, and I said I thought it was about control, what the Lord was trying to um, point out to me, but really it was just about selfishness. <laughs> just selfishness. I was self-focused. I knew what I wanted, and I wanted to get home, and I didn't have any room for... God to do anything different in my mind or in my heart at that time. But the other thing is that even if I had had God's perspective, I wouldn't have believed that he could use me because I believed a lie that I was too small. Um, many years ago, we went down to Bethel and I was walking to the prayer room and um, how many of you have had a word that God's spoken to you that thunders inside? Yeah, it's, it was like that to me. It, it was shaking to me. And he said, you cannot be small because I am not small. And then he said it again. You cannot be small because I am not small. 
We limit ourselves by what we think we can do with our own strength, with our own smarts. Paul and Silas were not able to do what they did in ministering to that jailer because uh, they were so strong or so smart. They didn't let smallness keep them from stepping into what the Lord had for them. It was Jesus. It was Jesus that shook that jail and sent that earthquake. So I missed some possible opportunities to step into circumstance and be Jesus' hands and feet to other people that were probably just as scared as I was about getting home. The wonderful thing was I shared some of this message or some of, I, I shared my testimony of what had happened on Thursday night and I had two different people share with me, yes, but don't forget God's mercy. Is mercy and what else? And grace, mercy and grace. It's mercy and grace that allows us to um, go through things like I went through and go, okay, God, thank you. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Jesus, that you've already forgiven me for everything I ever did and everything I ever will do. I recognize that I fell short. Thank you for your mercy and grace. Yeah, I wasn't hurt. My car was fine. I was slipping and sliding and a number of times almost hit a car as I was sliding, but I never did. Uh, I know there are a lot of other people that did, and I know that the body shops are full of cars that need to be repaired, but my car was just fine. God kept me safe. I had a, a rider last week. Um, I was traumatized, actually, so I didn't start riding again or driving again until Monday. And if it was a little bit snowy the next morning, I was like, nope, not going out, not until the sun's out and things are free on the road. It took a little while for me to step back into doing it. But um, I had a rider that I picked up, and the thing that's been on my heart a lot has been looking for God's goodness in the circumstances of our lives because he causes all things to work out for our good, for those who are the called. We are the called. So he causes all things to work out for good. So I'm looking for, and that was one of the things I was wrestling with was, what was that about? Where was the good in all of that? Well, I was supposed to be the good, and I didn't let myself be the good. But this gentleman, I shared some of the story with him, and uh, I shared about looking for the good, looking for the beauty in circumstances of our lives. And this man, he said, oh, I know what you're talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. He said, a year, I'm on my way to the doctors. Now you're taking me to the doctors. This is my yearly checkup from my surgery a year ago. He said, a year ago, I was assaulted downtown Portland. I never saw who did it. They hit me over the head a number of times. They stole my wallet. I don't know why they didn't take my phone. And I ended up waking up at OHSU. And while I was there, they did an MRI to see how much damage was done to my brain. And 
in the MRI, they discovered that there was a small tumor right underneath my pituitary gland pressing on my optic nerve. He said, if I had never been assaulted, I never would have known that I had a tumor. So they did the surgery and they took out the tumor and he said, and I became a believer. Yeah, because of the horrible circumstance that he had found himself in. And God showed up and was so good to this man and this man came to know Jesus. We never know, we never know when our circumstances could turn and be the good for somebody else. What did he say when he said, look for the beauty. He left my car and he says, keep looking for the beauty. Keep looking for the beauty. Romans 8.19 says, For all of creation groans for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. This is a time for the sons of God to be revealed. He has beautiful things for us to step into. This shaking that we're all going through, it's in some different way in our lives, especially as we submit ourselves to his work. The shaking shakes off those things that keep us from being revealed. And I'm not talking about, oh, we need to, they need to see the um, army of God rising up and standing tough and strong. That's not what I'm talking about. The shaking shakes off those things that keep us from walking in Jesus' shoes. The lies that we've believed about who we are, the, um, the selfishness, the self-focusedness, um, the control areas where, well, I can let him be in my life this far, but I'm not going to give him that other area. Whatever those things, fear, fear is a big one. Fear is huge. And we don't even see it sometimes because we instinctively protect against our fear getting exposed. But what we do is we learn to look for his perspective. We yield ourselves to him. We submit ourselves to him. And we say, thank you, Jesus for showing how selfish I was. I'm not glorifying in what happened, but I'm, I'm so thankful that he did it. Thank you, Jesus, for showing that I was still believing that lie that I'm small. Forgive me and help me to move on into what you have for me. Help me to be present for somebody else. There's something I'm forgetting, Charlie. You don't know. Mm. One of the things that I've been talking with Charlie about is he's also brought up the, the message about um, the covenant, the new covenant being written on our hearts and on our minds. And, and how that relates to repentance. And repentance is a we're, we've been discussing it. Repentance isn't just about asking the Lord to forgive us. And it's not necessarily just a willpower thing and turning and walking the other way. But repentance is a change of mind, which is getting his perspective. So I wanted to share with you my testimony, not because I wanted everybody to see my gross parts. Um, 
I have, um, I have a hope that um, my friend and I can go have breakfast sometime. <laughs> I have hope that the next time something happens that um, I find myself in an uncomfortable circumstance that I can be more present for what it is that he wants to do in that moment, more available, that I can be um, more trusting of him because he's always faithful. He's not going to leave me alone to deal with something by myself. He's always faithful. He just, it's like the Israelites that kept going around that mountain. I just kept going around and around the Rocky Butte area <laughs> because he didn't want me to leave. He wanted me to be able to be there for other people and for my friend. Um, so I want his new covenant written on my mind, but also on my heart. And when we accept Jesus in our heart, and he sent Holy Spirit to come and live in our heart, then he can write that covenant on our heart. How many of you want that? Yeah, me too. So, let's go ahead and stand and pray. I'm actually going to lead you through a, a prayer. Um, so it says, say after me. And then if you want additional prayer at the end, we will be available up here. So Holy Spirit, I want to be part of your answer to people's prayers. Use me to bring good news to the poor. Freedom to the oppressed. Restoration and healing to the hurting. And miracles to the sick. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you in advance for setting me up for divine appointments that will change people's lives for the better. Yeah. So we say thank you, Jesus, for everything that you've done this morning in our hearts, and we ask you to continue the work. Would you continue to transform our minds to your perspective? and continue to transform our hearts to believe the things that you want from us and for us. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to go with us as we leave today. Father, anything that is not of me, I ask that it would just fall by the wayside. And everything that you have anointed, Father, let it take root in our hearts and continue to grow. And we just say thank you, Jesus, for allowing us to be alive in such an awesome time. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, that was a good word. I have a very quick thing to share uh, connected to what Lori was talking about. I just want to challenge you and encourage you, open your heart and just ask the Lord, what stuck area is there in my life? Steve Backlund said that any area in your life that isn't glistening with hope is under the influence of a lie. You're believing something wrong when you feel powerless, when you feel small. And I have areas in my life that I have felt stuck in for years. My hope for this new season, are you all his sheep? Come, Rick, are you his sheep? You hear his voice. You were designed to hear his voice. So when you say, God, this area in my life isn't glistening with hope, I want your voice to speak. Change 
the way I think. Because as Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his head, no, in his heart. It's one thing to know something. It's a whole other thing to believe something, isn't it? When you hear it and you apply faith to it, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But man, the minute you lay hold of a word, he gives you his perspective and you say, I agree with that. That is the truth. When you believe, your behavior changes and the way your behavior affects you emotionally changes. Amen? It's the transformation from the inside out. So take a moment, ask the Lord if there's an area that isn't glistening with hope. And Lori and I want to be hope bringers for you. And, uh, and, and pray that God will speak to that area and you'll receive what he has to say. Amen? Yeah.